I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Scott Eklund, Chris Fetters. Kind of taking the day off a little bit, taking the morning off anyways, but uh, he'll be back a little bit later today to cover the Stanford-Washington game, which has a 7.30 kickoff at down in Palo Alto, down at Stanford, where Washington has, it, you know, Scott, we talked about, you know, every there always seems to be funny stuff that happens with Cal, mm-hmm. and it just always seems that Stanford and Washington, it's just always a tough game. I don't know if it's just a bad matchup or what, but over the years, Stanford's been a tough matchup for Washington. Absolutely. I mean, Washington hasn't beaten um, Stanford down in Palo Alto since 2007. I mean, think about that. That was Jake Locker's first year as the starter at the University of Washington. That's pretty crazy. And, um, you know, they've had they've had teams that were actually better than Stanford coming into the game. And Stanford has just been able to pull it out, whether it's Washington playing on grass, which they never have played that well on, uh, never have done that well on grass. I mean, they've won some games, but just not that that many. And um, and then just they've got a mojo on Washington, whether it's they just have confidence and they can just get after Washington. Some of it's, you know, been repeated by Washington's lack of adjustment to maybe putting more defensive linemen along the line of scrimmage when they're running the ball down your throat instead staying with their uh, th- you know, two, four, five uh, scheme that they run and, and everything like that. So I think there's just been a lot of factors. And, uh, you know, Washington has, I, I think I, I did it. Washington's only won four of the last 10 meetings between these two clubs. They lost last year's game. But pretty much all of them, not, all, not everyone, every loss that Washington has had to Stanford has been frustratingly close, whether it's within one score or two scores, whatever it is, Washington has just not been able to pull it out, especially down in Palo Alto. And this isn't the same Stanford team as we're used to seeing, no. you know, with, like, with the days of Toby Gerhardt smashing it down your throat. They just don't have the offensive line that they had. And I can't remember the name of the coach, but they lost their offensive line coach who brought all those guys in and was a really, really good coach. And he's not there anymore. So that dominant running game that they're used to, they just don't have anymore. I expect them to try to run the ball quite a bit and stay away from Washington's strengths, but I think they're going to throw the ball a lot. And Jimmy Lake mentioned that, you know, the reason that Stanford has been throwing the ball more this year is because they've gotten behind more. So I think it's going to be real interesting to see Washington has definitely struggled on stopping the run all year long. And I mean, if you're facing Washington, why wouldn't you run the ball? Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. They're, Arizona's they're, horrible, and they were able to run the ball. Yeah. Now, once again, though, in the post game, I mentioned it. There were two big runs by on on like fly sweeps that that resulted in them getting, you know, a good chunk of yardage. But Washington held them to like 110 yards, I think, if you're just talking about the running backs and and all that. And, I, and it, hey, it's still a running play, but it's it you know give it some context a little bit, but. Um, you know, Washington has had its moments stopping the run against Oregon State, against UCLA. Teams that run the ball a lot like Stanford will run the ball in Washington, but they just haven't done it consistently. And you cannot continue to give up big chunks of yardage like Washington does, especially when, uh, you know, it was against Arizona. There was a game uh, that, you know, Washington had driven the ball down and scored a touchdown, and Arizona just took the ball right back down on them. And, and scored and and UCLA did the same thing to him and Oregon State did the same thing to him so it's like the offense finally starts getting something going 
and they get some points and it's like, hey, you get a stop here on defense, you're going to be right back in this game and then the defense just can't stop it. So, you know, is it is it a combination of things? Yes, it's not one thing. I, I think the defensive line just does not have the, I've mentioned it many times, they do just do not have the difference maker up front that they have had before with Vita Vea, Greg Gaines, maybe even Levi Anzurike. Washington just doesn't have that guy right now. And there's some guys that are playing pretty well there. And, and I think there's some guys who can eventually step up into those dominant roles for Atui Tuatele, Tuli Aletuliga Sanoa. All those guys have played really well. Sam Taimani is having one of his best seasons as a Husky, but they're just not difference makers at this point. And, um, you know, what would it be like if they had Quo Pehapa? out there um, who was playing really, really well in a huge body and can get penetration. And uh, he just hasn't been able to play because he's been injured. So, you know, we'll, we'll just, Washington's got to scheme it better. Their, their linebackers aren't playing as well as they were at Adefawan Ulafosio, not playing, you know, he's not playing at all anymore. He was injured uh, in that UCLA right. game. So, you know, it, is Washington going to be able to figure it out? I think that Kim, you've said it many times on our podcasts. You, you for a while you wanted to see is this who this team is or is this what happened? And at this point, you've said it several times too. This team is who they are, so they're going to have to scheme things and figure out how to stop this uh, Stanford team from running it, and then make some plays in the passing game, which is not going to be easy. Right. Yeah, and, and you take a look at you know Stanford's got a you know a lineage of quarterbacks, and uh, they've got another they've got a good one now in Tanner McKee. Yeah, yeah, I mean he's still growing. He's he's still I'd say middle of the pack uh, quarterback at the uh, you know at Stanford, and um, he's in my opinion. So you had Hogan in there who was a really good quarterback, but Tanner McKee is the best quarterback they have had in my opinion from a throwing, running, leadership standpoint playmaking ability standpoint as Andrew Luck. I, I mean, he's Andrew Luck is in a, another stratosphere as far as that's concerned, but Tanner McKee, he's six, six two twenty five. He, he can rocket the ball down the field. He does a really good job of throwing it across, across the middle. And that's something Washington's defense is really going to have to keep an eye on is him completing passes on slant routes on, on deep, uh, crosses over the middle. Those linebackers are going to be have to be right on their coverage and in their zones in the correct spots because he will eat them alive. If they if they do their job and stop them and force them into third and six or whatever, he will live and feast off of them by throwing it across the middle. He doesn't like throwing it outside, and he's not that great of a thrower of the of the deep ball down the sidelines. He he is down the middle of the field, but not down the sidelines. Will Washington be able to handle that? They've got some smallish defensive backs. I know that Trent McDuffie is is an is an elite corner, but he's still on the small side. And when you look at what Stanford throws out there, their receivers are all six three, six four, and two hundred and twenty pounds. It seems like, and they're you know they they're just going to outmuscle him for the ball. So will Washington be able to handle those third and long situations and get right. off the field? Yeah, and you know you take a look at Washington's defense. They're going to be without Eddie Ulafosio, who's out for the year, and then a lot of question marks. Ryan Bowman was injured in the first half last week against Arizona. Did not return. Will we see Ryan Bowman? I mean, I don't right expect now, it. I don't yeah, I don't think anybody's expecting. It. It's not like he's been tearing it up, but. You know, when you take a look at what people are doing to Zion, I mean, it's rare that he's getting a single team. He's getting double teamed and 
triple teamed and held, and uh, they're making life rough on him. But if you want to pay that much attention to Zion, somebody else has to pick it up because that just means somebody else is getting one-on-one, and you have to be able to beat a man one-on-one. Yeah. And that just, hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. Nope. You know, it just, uh, you know, uh, and I know that frustrates a lot of people. But, you know, when you take a look at this defensive roster, you know, uh, Alex Cook, I'd kind of be surprised if we see Alex Cook back. I don't know if we're going to see Cam Williams back, but safety still seems You're to be. You're talking for this game, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, safety, they seem to have a lot of depth. I don't think that there's that much difference between the second and third guy than there is the first guy. They all seem pretty close talent wise and what they can do. Yeah, yeah, I, I I would probably agree with that. I'd like to see. I I mentioned it in my predictions yesterday um, that I think this is a game we could see Dominique Hampton really break out and have a have a big game because if they want to stop that run and guard some of those big tight ends and wide receivers, he's a big guy. He's six two, two hundred twenty five pounds. Put him in the box, let him guard some guys, and see what he can do. Hopefully, he's gotten out of the gotten out of the doghouse with Jimmy enough. It seems like he has. We saw, we saw him for the first time on the field in the regular defense for the first time in, in several weeks since that Michigan game. So, um, you know, just they, they've got to do something. They've got to figure out that combination of, of guys that they need in order to stop the run and be able to stop the pass. When I asked Jimmy about putting Dominic Hampton in and allowing him to drop down in the box, more like what they did with Zeke Turner, he was a little irritated. And he goes like, you mean we always do? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, um, you know, Dominic Campton, I think, you know, he uh, I, we just haven't seen enough of him. But that big body, I think he, he's going to be more effective in the run. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, which Washington team shows up. Is it the first half Arizona team or is it the second half Arizona team? It better so. be the second half Arizona team. I'll tell you that, Kim. They they cannot show up like they did in Arizona. You got they've got to get some points in that first half. They've got to get 10, 10, 17 points, something like that in that first half, and then try and get 10 to 15 more points and 10 to, you know, 17 more points in that second half. You're probably going to have to score 30 points to beat, to beat Stanford. And Scott, what's kind of, um, you know, looking at the roster, we're used to seeing some key players on Stanford's uh, roster that have come from the state of Washington. Uh, You know, uh, Connor Weddington, Foster Sorrell, Tavita Uh, Pritchard. who is that wide that wide receiver from Bellarmine Prep? Michael uh, Michael Rector, Doctor Rector, yeah, Doctor now, yeah, Doctor Rector, yeah, but uh, not seeing that right now. No, no. Well, Ben Urasek is probably the that I can remember is probably the closest guy uh, to that on the roster, and he's a guy who grew up in Bellevue, but he actually moved to Northern California for high school. So, um, and when that was a guy that Washington was on, and and he's a big part of their passing game. Um, Tanner McKee really likes to find him in that middle zone, like I was talking about a little bit earlier. So, um, 6'5, 245, 250 pounds. Uh, he can run, he's got really good hands. He's not, you know, your traditional tight end that that Stanford throws out there. For that, they they rely on, um, you know, their their big guy, uh, Tucker Fisk, uh, 6'4, 285. But, you know, Urasek is 6'5", he's about 240 pounds, and, and he's just a tough matchup from a receiver stamp, from uh, guarding him in the passing game standpoint. Yeah, and you mentioned that Washington's going to score at least 30 points, and boy, scoring has been tough. We would, you know, we had heard last week to expect to see Sam Heward anywhere from two to four series last week's game. Dylan Morris got hit in the face on the first series, and uh, Sam Heward goes in and 
hands the ball off five times. Yeah, and doesn't throws return. it one. Throws it yeah. one time. And doesn't yeah. Return. yeah, yeah. I, you know, and then Jimmy afterward after the game, and then on Monday he reiterated it that they had the plan to get him one series while they were down there. Now <clears throat> that Did is you buy that. Me. By the way, do you buy that? I don't. I don't know. I don't know because it seems like it, it seemed. I mean, if they really only wanted to get him one series, it seemed like that's how it played out because of the way Dylan was playing the rest of that half. Why wouldn't you put him back in there if that the plan was to get him more series? You know what I mean, Kim? So I don't know. I I, I just my don't gut know. Says, my gut says Jimmy thought that they would be ahead by a couple of touchdowns at least, and that just didn't. when he got in there. Maybe yeah. maybe that's the case. Maybe. Um, and that that's a valid point, Kim. But you know, because we had heard throughout the week that there was there was a some some speculation and and some rumors coming out of the program that um, Sam Heward would get uh, two or three series in the game, probably in the first half. Um, and then possibly in the second half, you know, splitting if Washington was out to a big lead that he'd be splitting time with uh, Patrick O'Brien. But that didn't happen. So and and if they wanted to get Sam in there a lot more, it seemed like second half would have been a good time, too, since Washington hadn't done very much. But that wasn't the case. Five games left. Stanford, yeah. Oregon, ASU, Colorado, Washington State. Sam Heward has played in two games. He can play in two more games. How many without, more games? He can play in as many as he wants, but yeah, but, but without burning the red shirt. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I personally think that he will. They will do their best to redshirt him and allow him. You know, and, but if Dylan gets hurt, he's the first guy off the bench. It's just and, so frustrating. If you're gonna waste a game, I mean, if you're gonna burn a game. And just have him hand the ball off. I just don't see the point. Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. And, you know, we'll, you know, I know that nobody trusts what Jimmy Lake is doing right now. So I can't just say we should just trust the coaches what they, they've got a plan. But they have a plan for this and that they want to run and they're going to run it while they're in charge. And that's what that's the situation right now. Well, let's just go ahead and put you on the spot, Scott. Who's the starter in the first game next year at quarterback? Um, I, I don't know how anyone could say they would know either way, Kim. I really don't. Because what if Dylan Morris just blows it out? What if he plays real well over here over the next six six weeks? Let's. I'm not saying this is going to happen, but what if he leads him to a four and two record, takes him to a bowl game, they win the bowl game, um, they beat Oregon, they beat Wazoo, they win their bowl game, and they go into the go into spring. Are Are you really telling me that? that you don't think that there's a possibility Dylan Morris could be the starting quarterback next year? I think Sam Heward's the future. I expect a new well, offensive coordinator next year. I expect he a new is, offensive coordinator next year to come in and build the offense around Sam. He is, but but what if Dylan has all of the does all of those things? I'm not saying it's going to happen. I don't yeah. actually think it'll happen, but what if it does? That's why I don't think anyone can say one way or the other they know what is going to happen because it, we don't. We will see what happens there, and uh, like I said, I'm still just baffled. Who was it that Tyrone threw in there? Was it um, Cody Bruns? Cody Bruns. I, I knew it was a Cody. Remember when he burned Cody Bruns' red shirt? Yep, I do. <laughs> I think it was against Cal. I'm pretty, or he was either Cal or Colorado. Yeah, Cody Bruns would have been a nice player to have an extra year, wouldn't he? Yeah, maybe. I yeah. think he was done. I think yeah. Cody Burns was done. Well, yeah, I think everybody was done with Tyrone. Yeah, but but um, he got that. Uh, he did get that extra year because he had. Didn't he have that death in his family that he got a sixth year or something because he 
he left the program for a year. I don't remember. That's I a can't remember. deep, dark hole we're all trying to forget. Yeah, exactly. So. But, um, uh, you know, just this game coming up, Richard Newton gone, um, you know, but Sean McGrew, Kamari Pleasant, and then Cam Davis. Uh, I thought it was kind of, yeah, and, you know, we people are debating this on the board, the coach speak and all this kind of stuff. But Jimmy's saying sometimes it's better to get the last 10 carries in the game than the first 10 because then you're dealing with the dead legs. You're buying that at all with Cam Davis? Um, I mean, I, I understand the theory. Uh, but you know, the, the tailbacks will always tell you, and, and I mean, Keith, Keith Bonifa is a big believer in it. He wants one guy. He wants one, maybe two guys, yeah. uh, that can, t- that can be bell cows, but Washington hasn't found that guy. Every time they think they found it, you know, Kamari Pleasant's running the ball really well. He gets bottled up, but then guess what? Cam Davis steps in there. And so, you know, I, I don't disagree with the, with the theory that Jimmy Lake was throwing out there, but I think the, the tailbacks would much prefer having, having, uh, you know, ha- getting all the carries. I mean, and, and Jimmy said that for himself. If you're going to have a guy t- on uh, tonight's game that's going to get 15 to 20 carries at running back, who would you want that running back to be? Well, I, I've said it all along. I, I've always thought that Cam Davis was the most complete tailback on the team. But, man, that guy just struggled with his with his running. I don't think his he's, he's had the vision that we all saw in high school. I think he's been programmed to, you know, here's where the hole's going to be, and you go there, and he's going to run there hell, come hell or high water. Probably Sean McGrew, I think, would be the best bet. Um, he's the one who seems to have the best vision, the best ability to squeeze through some of those cracks and and make some plays and, and get in the secondary and, and stuff. But, uh, I, I mean, I like Kamari Pleasant as like a second or third option. You know, let's see what he can do when that uh, when those other – when, you know, when those other teams are getting a little worn down and he gets some carries. So um, against UCLA, he he had, what, nine carries for 80 yards or something yeah. like that. And he looked great. And and uh, I'd really like to see him as a complimentary guy. But uh, Sean McGrew is prob- would probably my, be my choice tonight to get 15, 20 carries. And if he does and he's able to get, you know, 80 to 100 yards somewhere in there and a touchdown, I think Washington's doing really well. Don't know if we're going to see Jackson Kirkland tonight or not. Jimmy doesn't talk about injuries. And then we had uh, MJ Ole take over for Julius Bulow. And then we saw Mateo Mele over at right tackle alternating with Victor Kern. Just your thoughts on some of those changes. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I'll just start at left tackle. The replacement for Jackson Kirkland, I thought Troy Fautanu played pretty well. And by the way, think, they they really like him a lot. Oh, they love him, yeah. And they feel like he's a guy who could play anywhere along the offensive line, whether it's either guard spot or either tackle spot or even at center. They're not going to play him at those. I think he's going to stick at uh, left tackle because he's probably going to be your your left tackle of the future. But, um, you know, they love him. They, they He's got long arms. He's got good feet, great mentality, hard worker, good motor. Um, he played pretty well. He wasn't mistake-free, but I thought he played relatively well in the game against Arizona. It's a totally different animal against Stanford though. The, you know, Arizona will throw a lot of blitzes at you, but not a lot of, and a lot of speed guys, but you know, Stanford throws power at you. I mean, they've just got, they've just got some really big meaty guys along that defensive line. They average 309 or they, they have 309, 340 and 280 across the offensive or across the defensive line. You just don't see that in college football that much anymore, Kim. Yeah, and then with MJ Ollie taking over at left guard, Jimmy kind of insinuated that MJ wasn't 100% healthy, and that's why Bulow was in there. Uh, I thought Julius Bulow really struggled. And well, MJ, go ahead. Go ahead. So, no, go no, ahead. Just, 
MJ seems to be uh, a lot better on the run than he does on pass blocking, but he's such a huge body. But, uh, you know, it just seemed like the run game was better with MJ Ale in there. Oh, absolutely agree with you. I think Julius Bulow got some nice reps and, and we'll be able to take that experience into spring ball and fall camp next year. And in the off season, you know, what he needs to work on, see all those different things, maybe learn the offense a little bit better, maybe learn the the calls a little bit better than he's, than, you know, the mistakes that some of he, that he's made during the games and things like that. But MJ Ale has been a difference maker, I think, for Washington up front. They've been able to find more room. They've been able to drive guys off of the ball. He's not great at, at pass blocking. He's gotten better, but he's not great at it. But, you know, Scott Huff mentioned that that um, you, you said it was Jimmy. It was Scott Huff who I who I that I remember that said, hey, MJ was was dinged up at the beginning of the season. And, you know, in the spring, he, that's why Julius was in there. And then in fall camp, he still wasn't 100 percent right. And Julius had a great spring and fall camp. And that's why we've decided to go with him as the starter. But uh, MJ has continued to persevere, continue to work. And he's he's playing really, really well. He's playing some of his best football. And and that's why he's in there as the starter. Kind oh, of su- yeah, I'm sorry. And then one other one that you talked about, Melee. Yeah, it was kind of surprising um, yeah. because I thought Victor Kern of all the offensive linemen was probably playing the best. Yeah, I, Vic Kern has had his moments, too, um, where I don't think he's done as well as maybe he probably should have. And melee has got that more traditional tackle body because I think I don't think Henry Bainavalu is leaving after this season. But if he does, I think Vic Kern might be your guy who moves inside. And then Mateo melee ends up at right tackle. So. You could have next year your your guard your your offensive line could look like Fautanu Ale at, on the left side. You could have um, Garen Hatchet at center, and then and unless Corey Luciano comes back, and then um, and then uh, Vic Kern and Mateo Mele could be your guys um, on the right side. So um, interesting. I, I think Mele has played pretty well when I've seen him out there, and he's definitely earned time. You know, I asked Scott Huff this week about wanting to get that continuity because you always want the guy, same guys playing so they understand that continuity. And he said, ideally, that's what you want. But we've got a guy playing really, really well. Um, we've got to get him some reps and, and because we've got to reward him playing really, really well. I'm pretty sure I remember this, you know, but, uh, you know, I got that can't remember stuff going on. But didn't Melee start a game at center? He did. Um, it was Eastern in 2019. Yeah. And yeah. that was because that was because Harris, Nick Harris was hurt. Could we see melee move inside at some point? Well, I guess that's always a possibility. But, you know, when you're six, six, what is he? Six, six, 285, 290 pounds, whatever yeah. he is, maybe 300. Um, you know, he's got the the size and, and length to play tackle. So if Washington feels really good at with gear and hatchet at center and maybe possibly miles morale now that he's in better shape and can bend and move a little bit better, um, you know, it, is that a possibility? Yeah, I guess. But I, I would think that they would want to leave him outside at tackle, if at all possible. And I talked to Jimmy Lake a little bit about having the return of Jack Westover, you know, and it's kind of funny because everybody thinks of Jack Westover as a tight end, except for Jack Westover. Jack says he's a fullback. Yeah. <laughs> but I think uh, he just, likes getting those carries. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, how much of a difference does that make with Jack Westover back in there? Oh, it it makes it definitely makes some some uh, some difference because he's a better blocker than Devin Culp. Devin Culp is is going to be your better athlete guy. guy and I, that takes nothing away from Jack Westover. Jack Westover is a really good athlete too. But Devin's a guy who can stretch the field. He can make some plays with his hands in the passing game. But Jack Westover is going to be your guy for for blocking and for being that multi dimensional tight end. 
We will see if something happens. I've been waiting all year for this to happen. What? Because when I asked uh, Dylan Morris, of all the guys that are not quarterbacks on the roster, who has the best arm? Mm-hmm. He said Sean McGrew. Yeah, I was a little surprised by that. When are we going to see Sean McGrew throw the ball? I think it might happen tonight. Uh, you never know. You never know. Be, you know, third and short, bring him in on the Wildcat and let him throw the ball? Yeah. yeah what do you I think? Mean, no, I don't want to see it. <laughs> I'd much rather see them run the ball and get a first down. How about that? Well, we haven't seen the three running back uh, formation in a while either out of the Wildcat. Yeah, that's true. We haven't. And that seems pretty effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've had they've had success. Um, you know, will they have the same success with uh, Cam uh, Cam uh, Davis or even possibly? I, you know who I want to see this t- tonight. If if there's some struggles in the running game, I want to see JB on Sunday get some carries. He's got to hang on to the football. He does, but I want to see it. Uh, I, hopefully, we can see it. All right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we'll touch bases on recruiting and also basketball season about to start. So uh, back in a moment, it's the guys from Dogman.com on Dogman Radio. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are back. It's the guys from dogman.com. I'm Kim Reynolds with Scott Eklund, Chris Fetters. Did, did we put him in the timeout corner or did he just say we're done with no, you guys? No, we, we, we gave him the morning off. We gave him he the does. morning off. He's been working hard. He's been dealing with a lot of other stuff um, outside of the, the website. So just letting him have the day off and he will be on tonight working with us. He works a lot. Yes, he does. He doesn't get out much. Nope. We need to get him out more. Hey, that's up to you, Kim. <laughs> I got my I got my hands full over here with two kids and a wife. So. You just you know what you have two kids. I'm just a firm believer when you have three, it's easier, Scott. Yeah, and how many did you have? Yeah, I had two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't, and they're both boys, just like mine. That's enough, yeah. Kim. I just remember my little one, who's actually he's actually the most chill kid in the world right now. But God, he was just such a little hellion, and he's just. God, hell on wheels. And I just looked at him and go, why are you such a pain in the ass? And he just looks at me and he's like nine. I go, and he looks at me and goes, why make it easy? (laughs) Wanted to kill him. So anyways, uh, recruiting out of town this weekend, but a big weekend expected for the Oregon game. Yeah, yeah. I expect there will be a, a good number of guys that Washington is after, both underclass and even some 2022 guys. Guys that we've heard that are going to try and make it up this weekend are uh, Keontae Scott and Jeremy Bernard. Uh, I'm sorry, not this weekend. I'm sorry for the Oregon game. And uh, But Keontae Scott, the defensive back out of Snow College, that uh, is a former teammate of Jeremy Bernard. Uh, he's supposed to be coming up for an unofficial visit. Um, they want to get all their official visits, if they can, in that, those first couple weeks of December right before signing day. But, um, you know, Washington is hoping to have those two guys in. I think they're trying to get um, one guy that told me that he wants to to get up uh, f- is um, Jalen uh, Cred. I can't remember. Uh, um, Jalen Peoples? Jalen Peoples, yeah. 
uh, defensive back out of Texas. He's he's a guy that they want to get up. He decommitted from from Kansas, and he's a decent, he's a really good looking player, uh, long, athletic, and uh, he, so that's a guy to keep an eye on. He might be up here this weekend. He had told me they had talked to him about that. They had also talked to uh, some of these JUCO guys that they've been offering. Um, out, you know, JUCO defensive backs that they've been after, and, and they're trying to get them up on campus. I know that there um, are some other uh, local guys. I think um, you could definitely see uh, Josh Connerly up today. Haven't been able to confirm with him whether he's going to make it or not. Um, and several other guys that, you know, I, Ryan Ottens always seems to be there. Chance Bogan will want to be there for the for the Oregon game. So just keep the keep your eyes out. I'm going to try and put together as much of a list as possible and, and have that for you guys on Friday uh, before the game on Saturday. Anything else going on recruiting we need to know about, Scott? It seems um, kind of slow, but they don't have yeah. a lot of spots. But it, it's not like any other school has been really busy. It just seems no. like we're in the grind of the season. Yeah, the season. I mean, the the number one focus for the coaches is the season. But, the, you know, that's 1A. But 1B is recruiting. Got to keep recruiting. Washington has been out at games. But they went out to a lot of games in September and, October, and early October. And what people need to understand – I don't think a lot of people know this, and they think the coaches should be out. Well, why aren't they at every one of Josh Connerly's game? Well, that's because you're only allowed one in-person athletic evaluation and one in-person academic evaluation during this open period. Um, and the coaches cannot meet with the players in person. They, they, unless they're on their own campus. And so these guys, you know, the coaches have already been out to see Rainier beach. They've already been out to see Sumner and they've been to see G- GK and, and, you know, these, you know, these schools that have Washington commits, they've already seen Lincoln play. And so Washington can't be out at those games anymore. They've already been down to all these Trinity league schools that they went out and saw during the bye week. So, no, you can't go out and recruit those guys and be at those games. At this point in the season, a lot of these schools are wrapping up their their the the their regular seasons. They're getting ready to head to the playoffs, and the coaches are focused more on trying to this you know this five game push at the end to get a get to a bowl. So, I think Washington really is going to focus on just talking to kids over Skype, talking to them on the phone, scheduling them to come in for visits. They've only got uh, they've got three home games left: Oregon, Arizona State, and Wazoo, and those are all games that Washington should have recruits at. And uh, see what happens. You know, they've they've got nine guys committed. They're, they've got 15, 16 spots in the class, maybe, maybe 17. Now, if there's a lot of attrition, that could lead to more spots. But at this point in time, Washington is looking at 15 to 16, maybe 17 spots. So you're only talking about six to eight more guys that are they're going to bring in this class. Yeah, and also, you know, that's the first part of the recruiting season. And if there's more attrition than that that we anticipate, you know, the transfer portal is the second season for recruiting. Yep. So they could fill in some spots with the transfer portal. But uh, And I and I think every year Washington's going to hold one or two scholarships, maybe even three if they really like some of the guys and uh and hold some out so they can so they can fill sp- holes in the in the class and that I think that'll go for any any coach that's here whether it's Jimmy Lake and his staff or if it's another coach that comes in here down the line I think that's what you're going to see the trend be is that coaches are going to hold back two or three scholarships unless they really really like a high school kid they're going to hold back two or three scholarships 
for the transfer portal because you have so many talented kids who are looking for playing time or looking for fresh starts. Well, it's like, it's kind of like free agency, you know, when you talk about an NFL team, you know, they're drafting, but then they're filling in the holes, you know, via free agency. And that's pretty much what college football and basketball is doing right now. You recruit and you develop, but if you've got a hole at a certain position, that's where the transfer portal comes in. Yeah, I and I fully agree with that. So the other thing is to look for something. I don't know if this is going to change in the near future or not, and this is just speculation on my part. But you got to believe that uh, these coaches are going to start pushing for. Hey, if a guy is is on our team, we we don't want him leaving after four games so he can save himself a redshirt season, right? Kim? Yeah. So. Yeah. And because and we've seen that with several players, the quarterback out of that that was at Utah that left after four games, uh, the kicker, Tim Horn, did it to the University of Washington. So what there's been some some people who have said, hey, we want to push for five years of eligibility. That's what they should, should do. Yeah. Just five years, just five straight years, five years. Yeah. And you don't get a red shirt. It's well, I mean, it's you get five years of eligibility. You don't get a red shirt. And um, so if you play in four games, your season or if you play in one game, your season is now burned. There is no there is no exception to, oh, well, I can play in four games. And then I think what they need to do is give them five years of eligibility. And if they play five seasons, great. If they play three seasons and then leave for the NFL, great. If they play two seasons at a school and then decide to transfer midway through the third season, there's no incentive for them to just quit on their team. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that's what you're going to see where you're yeah. going to see five years worth of eligibility and that's it. And the only way you would be able to get an additional year is if you missed two years because of injuries Two, con- yeah. you know, um, and those would be very, very, very difficult to get. But, you know, there's just a lot of game playing that goes on with this stuff. Just five years of eligibility. Just do it. Yeah, just make it. And you don't even have to worry. It's it cuts down on the, the coaches having to keep track of that stuff, too. Well, then there's also been some talk giving them five, you know, giving them four years and having that fifth year of eligibility um, if you're on if you're on track to graduate. Okay. well, I I think I personally think it should just be five blanket years. Yeah. And and you have no no finagling that needs to go on. Yeah. Uh, About to head into our busiest time of year because we've got football. We've got football recruiting and. Thursday, next Thursday, uh, exhibition game for basketball against Central Washington up at uh, Heck Ed. And then the following Tuesday, season opener at home against Northern Illinois. And uh, this basketball team, it's uh, going to be real interesting to watch. They have been flying under the radar and Coach Op and staff have purposely tried to fly under the radar. This is an older team. It's a more experienced team. It's a very, very talented team, a lot different than um, last year's team and the comment I keep on hearing from those around the basketball program. They actually like each other this year, so that should make a – that helps, doesn't it, Scott? Oh, absolutely. you got to get along. Yeah. <laughs> this is your family, dude. You can't live live harmoniously if you don't. Yeah, you know, in football you can have your little clicks because you got got 100 guys on the roster, but there's 13 scholarships in basketball, so uh, – Somebody told me, what is it? If you have a bowl of punch and a turd gets dropped on it, you no longer have a bowl of punch. You got a bowl of, you know what? So mm-hmm. <laughs> anyways, yeah. uh, 
it's just, you know, just one guy can make all the difference in the world. So uh, looking forward to that, uh, we'll have more information on uh, the game that is uh, Tuesday, the exhibition game. I'm pretty sure that's going to be a ticketed event. I'll reach out and see if I can get a block of tickets for the Dogman guys. I should be able to pull that off and uh, maybe meet before the game and have some beers. How's that sound? That would be good. I'll see just what I can pull. Tell me when and where. I'll see what I can pull off. So anyways, anything else we need to touch bases on, Scott? Not really, you know, um, just kind of interested to see what this team looks like. I mean, I look, I, I get the, I get it that the fans are frustrated with everything and the way the season has started. Try and look for some positives. And I know fans have a hard time seeing any positives, but even if they lose, there's positives to take out of it. Did they play hard? Did, did the offensive line play a little bit better? Did they pick up things better? Are they still struggling, but are they playing better? Are, are the defensive line playing better? How do some of the young guys look who are getting chances to play? That's what you guys need to focus on. I think this team has every chance to beat every team that they play the rest of the way. I don't think they're going to beat every team the rest of the way, but I think they're going to to be in these games. And as they continue to learn how to win these close games, Kim, they're going to be able to have that confidence that, Hey, we've made these plays before. Let's do it again. There's a saying in business, you know, if uh, you're pissed off and angry, don't make that phone call and don't send that email while you're angry and pissed off. And, I think some people out there really need to, you know, if you're angry and pissed off, put your keyboard away for a while because it just gets a little bit toxic at times and uh, it doesn't help. I mean, it just makes things more miserable. It's oh, just, it makes, and it makes the board terrible and not even fun yeah. to read for yeah. anybody, not just me and Kim and Chris who have to monitor it. It, it doesn't make it fun for anybody. No, I kind of, and I, I know people get tired of hearing this, but when you, you know, you go into a sports bar and you want to watch the game and you got a couple of loons in the corner throwing beer bottles and yelling, screaming, and cussing and swearing, nobody wants to be next to that nonsense. Nope. I mean, really, nobody wants to be next to it. And when you're doing that stuff out on the boards and acting like that, nobody wants to be around that. It just drives people away. So anyways, like I said, just, you know, if you're that pissed off and angry, you know, put the keyboard away for a day, put it away for a couple hours. It's okay. You don't need to spew venom and make things more toxic. Hey, nobody gets that people are pissed off and unhappy. And you know, the thing of it is anybody who thinks Jen Cohen's happy or not pissed off, you're sadly, sadly mistaken because you take the most passionate guy out on our message board about this football team. It doesn't come close to Jen Cohen's passion for this football team. Yeah. I mean, I mean, have you, have you seen her on the sidelines of a football game, Scott? Yeah. She won't talk to us. Oh, she's she, like, she don't talk to me right now. She, I mean, she's, she goes after the refs. I mean, I remember Chris Peterson was worried about her getting a personal foul <laughs> yelling at a ref on the yeah. sidelines. I don't think Barbara Hedges would ever, you'd have, ever have to worry about that with Barbara or Barbara even care. or Todd, you know, but no, she's, she's as passionate as she, as you get. And Jen Coa's mama bear, are you going to mess with one of her kids? I wish you well. I don't want to go in that bend. So anyways, um, 7.30 kickoff tonight should be interesting down in Palo Alto, so uh, we'll be all over it. So for all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Grinnells along with Scott Eklund. Go dogs.